0: It's hard to believe, at least maybe for me, because <laughs> uh, I've been digging in Mark for for three months. That today we're finishing out our series uh, called "The Way," and the reason why this series came about over the summer is because of your generosity, your willingness to invite friends uh, and neighbors and coworkers over the last school year. So we 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 thought, okay, well let's let's take a summer to really look at Jesus, his life, who he claims to be, and what he's really inviting us into. And what better way to do that to hear from the man. Himself. So we started this series called "The Way," which is descriptive of people who followed Jesus before the word and the language "Christian" was re- uh, prevalent and even relevant in the first uh, the first century. And so, if you remember back in week one, because why wouldn't you forget that? Uh, back three months ago, uh, we said that when a king took over in Rome, he would send a messenger to announce. There's a new kingdom, and this is before CNN and Fox News and social media and public opinion. I'll just say, leave that there. <laughs> so it was important for a messenger when he came to your town to pay attention because the messenger would say, there's a new king, a new rule, here are some things that you can expect in uh, his kingship over the next year or a couple of years, sort of like the way every president seems to make promises to get elected. But Jesus is different. See, when he came onto the scene, the first words out of his mouth, he was announcing that the kingdom of God is here. Now, who in their right mind would think that they have the goal or the fortitude to speak for God and to announce his kingdom? Like, Who would think that they were qualified to speak for God unless, of course, the person speaking thought he was God himself? And as we journey through the gospel of Mark, we've come to find that to be true, which is what separates Christianity from all other religions. Jesus does not claim to be a nice, good moral teacher. He claims to be God, the creator of this experience we're all in called life. And so we said in week one that religion is good advice. And it is. It's it's a good self-help. Here's 10 ways to have a better marriage, 10 ways to practice forgiveness, improve your health. But we said the gospel is not good advice, it's actually good news. And news is a declaration to the world in journalism, right, that something happened. And we believe that something happened 2,000 years ago that a man who claimed to be God, Jesus, went to the cross, died for our sins, and rose again three days later, and that's not good advice. That's not how to ha- have a better life. That's good news about how to have a transformative life. And it's good news because it doesn't matter what uh, era of human history you grew up in, what country you're from, what language you speak, the color of your skin, because it applies to every single human being. It is objective truth that. Is meaningful for any man, any woman, any adult, or any child that has ever li- lived in this thing that we're living in called life. And so as we close out the series today, we've been asking in this last section, what is God's dream for your friends? Do your friends know that you are part of a kingdom? Do your friends know that? that you've accepted that. You've accepted the lordship of Jesus. You've expressed that publicly in baptism. You're active in your church. You give, you serve, you, you're doing things that Jesus is inviting you into. Do, do your friends know that? Here's a gut question. I'll ask it of myself. If you invited your friends to church, would they even want to come, right? Because of how you live. And so we talked about over the last three months, that the that what the kingdom of God brings is new beginnings for people. It impacts their life. It gives them an opportunity to fight against their enemy, the devil or Satan, or other words the Bible describes the, the evil one as. It gives them friendship and growth and retreats and rest and hospitality and servanthood and generosity. And today we're going to talk about love and the way we love people is usually the best indicator if they even want to go to your church, or more importantly, if they even want to follow Jesus, or even sit down, to have a cup of coffee to even hear more about what you want to say. And today we're going to explore the way to love, and the way to love is the way to the kingdom. That's the big idea. How we love people is either an invitation or a refusal of wanting our friends to be a part of what we're a part of. Now, we've been, we've been watching Jesus' journey throughout his public ministry. And over the last couple of weeks, we talked about he's leaving Galilee, he's leaving Capernaum, and he's heading south uh, to Jerusalem. Now, that's a big deal if you're not familiar with the Gospels, because just outside of Jerusalem, <clears throat> Jesus will be crucified. <clears throat> and so when you read the Gospels and you hear about Jesus getting closer and closer to Jerusalem, you know that Jesus' death is becoming more and more... Uh, it's going to happen. And so Jesus in this text is in Jerusalem. He's talking to religious leaders that today we, that they would probably have PhDs, not just in their religion, which would have been Judaism, but in all world religions. So Jesus is going to have a conversation with the elite of the elite. Now, this matters in just a moment. And if I'm doing my job, I'll let you know how it matters. But Jesus is walking in and out of synagogues and temples. He's going to say some pretty controversial stuff, because Jesus always does. seems like he's always getting himself in trouble. That's what happens when you tell the truth about human nature, isn't it? In Mark, not Matthew, (laughs) in Mark chapter 12, uh, Mark writes this final story in our series. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. So, it's common knowledge that rabbis would debate their version of how they read the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And if you're a person that's like, the Old Testament's irrelevant, let me challenge you with this. Every question that Jesus is asked, it's based on his interpretation of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. So I would say the Old Testament is incredibly important to understanding the New Testament. I don't think you can understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, Of all the commandments, which is most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Familiar text. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I want to say three things about the way to love. And the first is this, the way to love has its beginning and ending in God. Uh, This is a very controversial statement, so I'll set the appetizer on the table and walk away. God is love, but love is not God. God is love, but love is not God. We are in a culture that says love is the highest expression that we can experience as a human. Now, that statement is important because of the text Jesus quotes. When Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment, and Jesus says, love God, love others, which is a good statement, uh, mission statement for a church, what he's saying is he's quoting the Shema, which is a Jewish prayer that the Israelite communities would pray, and even our Jewish uh, friends pray even today. The prayer Shema reads this in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, echad. The Lord is one. Now, that's important because Jews do not believe in a trinity. So if a guy claims to be God in the flesh, obviously you're going to get in a lot of trouble, probably end up on a cross. That would be considered heretical teaching. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. So then Moses goes into parenting advice and how you're to raise children to love the Lord. And press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk alongside the road. So parents, as you're parenting, as you're doing life, teach your kids about Jesus, not just on Sunday mornings. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframe of your houses and your gates. Now, what is he talking about? Well, let me explain it. Um, the Shema was prayed at the be, at the beginning of the day, and at night before the sun went down. And uh, Jewish rabbis would argue about. I don't know if you've um, <laughs> if you ever done this or heard somebody say this, like. All right, I need, I need to go to church so I can get on with my day, right? And I understand when people say that, like, it, 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 often you mean, well, I, I get that. But even in the first century, we haven't really changed much. There'd be Jewish rabbis that would teach, like, could I, could I just, you know, could I pray 30 minutes before the sun comes up or 30 minutes before, <clears throat> you know, the sun goes down just to get my religious duties in place? Because when Yahweh speaks, you listen, and when Yahweh commands, you obey, and when Yahweh says, go here, you follow. But what Jesus is saying in Jerusalem, the Mecca of religion, even, in, even today in 2019, as well as in the first century, Jesus is saying, you know the Shema, the Lord is one. But echad in Hebrew is actually plural. It's where Christianity, although the word trinity is not in the Bible, it's where theologians get the idea that there is a trinity, one God and three expressions, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. I'll explain that more in our fall series about uh, questioning God. And so what Jesus is saying is, I am the God of the Shema. When I speak, you Listen. When I give commands, you obey. When I ask you or tell you sometimes, because we're stubborn, you, you go. See, Jesus is separating himself from all other major world religions. But more importantly, he's saying, let me show you the, color, the colored version, watching this TV show, not in black and white, but in full color and full display of what the Old Testament is about. It's about me but it's for you. I'm the God of the Shema. Don't just love God, because we can say in 2019, I believe in God, and be fine. Jesus is saying, let's push it another half a mile on your workout, okay? I just started doing that, so I'm having like flashbacks. (laughs) Jesus is saying, let's push it a little more, and say, I don't just believe in God, I believe that one man was God, and his name is Jesus. That gets you a lot of trouble in the first century. As it comes out, as, it, as it turns out, even today, it gets you in a lot of trouble when you say things like that. To believe that there's only one God and that he has a name and a face and, and a heritage. And he was actually born physically in one part of the world. And he came and died. And that's why it's important for us to understand that the way of love has its beginnings and endings in God, which is to say in Jesus, So Jesus needs to define what love is. Jesus needs to tell us what a healthy way to give and to receive love actually looks like. But Jesus isn't done, because there's another great commandment, right? To love other people. Secondly, the way to love lives in the tension of what is legal and what is mercy or merciful. In verse 32, Mark continues, Well said, well said, teacher, the man replied. Like, can you... (laughs) There's a guy that told Jesus, who is God, good answer. And Jesus is like, yeah, I wrote the book. i kind of cheating, right? Good answer, God, the man replied. You are right in saying that... <laughs> oh, the arrogance that religion can give us. Uh, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, understanding, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. So what Jesus is <clears throat> is answering from, like I said, is the Torah, and he's answering from everyone's favorite book of the Bible that you probably read with a cup of tea before you go to bed, Leviticus. <laughs> no, just me, all right. Leviticus 19, 18 reads this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge. Like, this should be like everyone's social media verse. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people but love your neighbor as yourself. This was not a compliment. <laughs> and oftentimes we teach little kids, love God and love other people, yay! But it was actually not something that you should probably teach your kids, and I'll explain why. Although you should love other people, Jesus kind of meant it differently. In Luke 10 30 through 32, Jesus tells a parable, and a parable is sort of like a metaphor. It's a storytelling agent to land an idea, either about you, God, uh, this reality called life, uh, or any other topic in life. And, and he, he has a parable called the Parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's kind of asking, like, well, who is my neighbor, right? Only religious people ask that, like, bare minimum, what do I have to do to get in heaven? And so Jesus tells this parable, we don't have time to get into all of it, but I want to get into some of it. In Luke 10:30, uh, Luke says, "Jesus uh, tells a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he <clears throat> excuse me, when he was attacked by robbers, <clears throat> they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now this is important. A priest, religious guy, happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, now, the road from Jerusalem to jericho if you've ever if you 've ever hiked the Grand canyon you you can go there emotionally with me okay uh, I, I went to the Grand Canyon Tetons, Yellowstone Rockies uh, the summer before going into my senior high school it was one of the best vacation trips uh, outside of being in a van for Three weeks with my family, but when you when you walk down the um, when you walk down to the like dude ranch they have down there, which we didn't make it all the way down, turns out you probably shouldn't hike it in August. But you know, there you go. When you walk down, there's a lot of switchbacks, and it's so narrow that you almost have to, for majority of it, walk in a single file line. Now, for whatever reason, you can pay to sit on a donkey. If I fall off, I want it to be my fault. So I, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't opt for the, opt for the animal piece. <clears throat> the road from Jericho or Jerusalem to Jericho was a lot like that. It was dangerous. It was narrow. There are great big boulders, rocks to hide behind, which if you are somebody that wants to jump somebody for money, for food, clothing, for their animals, you know, whatever, that was a great place to do it. And then Jesus has to get really ornery by touching a very personal, sensitive subject with our lives. He tells us that a priest and a Levite are heading to the temple to do their priestly duties, sort of a, you know, like a shift at Starbucks. They're swapping shifts. And they come across a guy that was basically beaten almost to death. And Jesus says, two religious guys keep walking, they completely pass him up. Now, here's the tension that Jesus is drawing to the audience and hopefully in your spirit today. It would have been, to use a word religious people use a lot, unbiblical for the priest or Levite to touch this man because the priest and Levite needed to be clean so when they went to the temple, they could accept sacrifices uh, on behalf of the Israelite nation, the Jewish community, and that they could pray for forgiveness For the sins of the Israelites. We are Americans. We think playing to our strengths will get us community. Actually, playing to our weaknesses does. And there's a thought in Scripture that sin does have individual consequences, but it also has communal consequences. And so, this this Levite, and the Levites were one of 12 tribes of Israel, the Levites were that family. All their kids went into ministry, right? And at Thanksgiving and Christmas, that kid gets asked to pray for the meal. Happens to me all the time when I go home for the holidays. And so there is an expectation from this tribe and this family. And he goes to the guy that was beaten up on the side of the road, and he chooses what is biblical over what is merciful. Yeah, I'm going to let that sit there. Because even after thinking about that all week, I'm not sure where I land. Because he had to go against the rules that he was taught to love this person. And so he did what was in the Torah, which is to say what was biblical, so that he could go perform his priestly duties. He did what was good, but not what was ultimate. I find it to be true in my life with other people as well that... um, you are close to the heart of God when you are in relationships with people, coworkers, friends, family, neighbors, uh, friends at the ball field that your kids are involved in their sports. You are close to the heart of God when you're in relationship with people and you think this thought, I'd like to invite them to church. I really enjoy their company, but I'm not sure. Religious people have this way of wondering if they do the unbiblical thing, will God strike them dead? Relationships are messy. Relationships, if you are loving people the way Jesus, I, will, I don't want to even say invites, but commands us to love people, you will often wonder, am I sliding this way too much? Am I sliding this way too little? But you will find yourself in the middle of the heart of God. Don't be like the priest. Don't be like the Levite. If your religion asks you to look at somebody and to walk on, get a different religion because you're not following Jesus. Bob Goff in his book, Love Us says this, Give away love like you're made of the stuff. We're rehearsing to spend eternity together. i got to walk away because that, that makes me cry all the time. Now, here's also what is biblical. God desires... Not just sacrifices, but mercy more than sacrifices. It's it's it it is it is a hard tension to walk if you actually are taking Jesus Jesus seriously and actually want to love people well. And so my my thought is let's just love people well, probably more than they deserve, because Jesus loved us more than we deserve, and we'll let We'll let Jesus be the judge of it, right? We'll let Jesus be the judge and the jury of it. I'm not saying this is easy. (laughs) But I am saying there are relationships that you will come across and you will wonder, am I leaning this way too much? Am I leaning this way too much? But I promise you right in the middle, God is there. Actually, Jesus says it this way as we close out and talk about the way to love actually is the way. Here's what he says in Mark 12. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. From then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. You think? Jesus says from his lips, not mine, this is not my opinion. Uh, You should question everything I say, actually, with scripture. Uh, But Jesus says from his lips, you are... Always close to the kingdom of God when you love people, when you are merciful for people, when you bend over and help somebody, so to speak, that's beaten up on the side of the road. God always favors mercy over religious sacrifices. So we don't have to anymore because God is both the sacrificial giver and the sacrifice himself on the cross. And this is why the way of the kingdom brings new beginnings. It impacts people. It it helps them fight their enemy. It gives them friendship, growth, retreats, rest, hospitality, servanthood, generosity, and love. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying if Jesus is telling the truth, this is the way. Jesus never said it would be easy, but he said he would be faithful. And he said we could follow him. You have a um, next step card in the seat back in front of you. And I want to invite everyone just to grab that that card. Uh, You can turn to your neighbor and say, just grab it, and then put it back when he's not looking. But you just go ahead and grab it, all right? It's like a parent. I see you. Uh, Here's the deal. I would not be doing my job if we spent 90 days, three months, studying a man who claimed to be God and not had the courage to ask you to take a next step, right. I don't want to be a theoretical preacher. I don't want to have theoretical theology. I don't want to be in a theoretical church. I want to be in a church that helps people move forward towards their next step with Jesus. And so if you are, even if it's your first Sunday, I'll be bold enough to say that, or you've been with us the entire summer, in and out, journeying through Mark with us, what is your next step? Is it for you to cross that line and for the first time, or maybe... Maybe it's your own decision. A pastor, a preach, priest, a priest, a priester, a priest, your parents cannot make the decision for you to be baptized. That is your decision after you've decided with your heart and your mind that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He died for my sins, and I'm ready to cross that line. If that is you, would you check that box? I want to be baptized, or I'm interested in the next baptism class. Would you, if you're watching online, communicate that on our digital Next Step card? Or maybe for you, you get really excited and and, and you're clapping that 22 people came and visited us for the first time. Well, let me make the ask. Would you be willing to come to our Life Group Leader Training and just, just check that out? I mean, could it be that Jesus is inviting you to host a group for seven weeks this fall, where people are going to come, explore their faith, and you get a front row seat to what Jesus is going to do and transform his, their lives. Lastly, if you've been you know, sort of in and out, kind of noncommittal, just checking our church out, which is totally fine. Don't, and that's totally fine. But the question I want to ask you is, are you ready to maybe shift from attending to maybe joining one of our weekend serving teams? Maybe there was someone that was meaningful to you when you came for the first time. Someone served you, someone talked to you, uh, someone asked you questions. Uh, Here's the deal, friends, okay? We are going to have a wave of first-time visitors coming in the next three to four months. They don't care if we're ready or not. They shouldn't because they're our guests. And so I'm just going to make the bold ask, If you are not currently on a serving team, maybe Jesus is inviting you today as we close out this series to join one of our weekend serving teams and to be that person for somebody else that somebody was for you today. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a song. I'm going to encourage you to fill out this card and when you're ready, you can stand and sing with us. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your kingdom, what it means to us, what it doesn't mean to us yet, but we're going to find out. God, we thank you for challenging us, for offending us, for breaking us, but also for comforting us and for healing us and being our trail guide. We thank you that um, we've been invited into the kingdom. You showed us how to navigate through the kingdom. And now we just want to be a people that expresses your kingdom through RCC, but more importantly, through our relationships throughout the week, that we, that we would love well, serve well, be generous, and be hospitable to our friends who don't yet know the beauty of what it means to follow just you in the context of a loving community called RCC. I pray for my friends right now. I know it's a lot when a preacher asks them to take a next step, but I pray that they would feel your spirit and lean in and be obedient to whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is you're inviting them into. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.